How's everybody doing today? We good? Enjoying this beautiful day, right? Spring is coming. I'm waiting for the hot, it's not spring anymore, one more snow, but that's, that makes me excited, but I'm weird like that, sorry. Um, so today is February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, which means by tomorrow, about 75% of us who made New Year's resolutions will have already broken them. Awesome, right? Started out on a good note, everybody feeling good? Okay. See, what's crazy to me is that this isn't a new trend, right? Like, we've known since we knew how to make New Year's resolutions that they're not going to last, right? That, that we're going to commit to something and that it's not going to follow through most of the time. So the question is, why do, we, why do we do it? Why do we commit to these things, these changes that we want, if we know, it's, it's, you know we're going to have a hard time going with it? Or why is commitment so hard for us in the first place? Take a look at this uh, clip and tell me if you've ever found yourself in this situation. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. Uh, you went to business school, right? Yeah. I need someone to talk to this seminar about business. And? Yeah, can you do it? Oh, okay. I don't, I don't like committing to things just like that. So, no. No, I, I don't like committing to not doing things either. That's just as big a commitment. No, baby. What do I put you down for, bro, hombre? Yes. All right. Yes, I'll do it. Okay, thank you so much. It's going to be awesome. And if I flake, I flake. What? Oh, I love that show. It's good stuff. See, it's pretty simple if you think about it, really, the whole New Year's thing. Because the new year brings with it, well, just that, right? The opportunity for something new, for, for change. And most of us said, you know what? This is it. This is the year that I'm really going to commit to something. This is the year that I'm really going to commit to some change in my life. And so for the past four weeks, we've been in this series called This Is It. And with the new year, and we wanted to start by talking about what it would look like for us to really say, hey, this is it. This is the year that I really commit to something real. This is the year that I really commit to the change that I desire for my life. That I'm actually going to take some steps to make changes, whether it be physically or relationally or financially or spiritually, this is it. And so this whole series is based on this verse in Isaiah, and it's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and it's Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, it's going to be up here on the screen, but it's God speaking through Isaiah, and he says this, he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, maybe for you, the past year has seemed like a wilderness or a wasteland. Maybe the idea of God doing something new in your life is really exciting to you because of where you've been for the past year or what's happened to you. Maybe that's really exciting for you. We want to be a place where you can come with that desire for change. We want to be a place where you can come and say, hey, I want to commit to some change. And we want to come alongside of you and help you fulfill that commitment. And so for the past four weeks, we've been providing opportunities for you to jump in and say, hey, I'm going to commit to this change. And just to overview some of the ones we've had. We had our first men's event a few weeks ago called The Leader Within, and we had over 100 guys come out to learn more about what it means to be the leader God's called us to be. This is really cool. If you're a guy, you're there pretty awesome, right? Yeah? Woot, woot. Okay. Still tired. Got it. All right. Um, but we also have, we have a, a women's Bible study coming up called Roots, and it's an opportunity for, for women of all ages to dive into the Bible and learn more about what that tr- truth means for their lives. Really excited about that. We have our Financial Peace University classes coming up, which is an opportunity to learn more about what it means to take a hold of your finances and to, to say, hey, this is it. This is the year we really get out of debt or we really you know, take on that, that credit card or whatever it is. Uh, we also have health and weight loss classes 
It's an opportunity for you to really say, hey, I'm going to treat my body like the temple of God that it really is. So really cool things coming up. Uh, as far as relationships go, we have our uh, Life's Healing Choices class. It's an opportunity to learn more about what it means to make better, better decisions and better choices in your life and maybe break out of some bad habits and bad decisions that we continually make over and over. And if you're married, we have opportunity for married couples to have a, a married night out thing. And uh, it's just a really cool chance to come together and to begin to work on your relationship before it, before it gets too late. It's going to be a really great event, and you can hear more about that. But if any of these sound like something you want to be a part of, and you're, either you haven't heard of that before or you're, you know, you've heard about it, you're like, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. All you gotta, we make it really simple. All you got to do is write it on that green card, what's up card. And then that will begin a process of helping us come alongside you and helping you commit to the change that you desire for your life. It's really simple stuff. But with all these opportunities, the big question you have to ask is, is why don't we commit? Why don't we commit to the change that we desire for our lives? What makes us say, oh, oh, tomorrow I'll start that? Or as soon as I get some things in order, man, I am in. I'm all about it, right? You know, we do this with God as well, right? We, we say we're going to commit to that relationship or take our faith, serious, faith seriously as soon as, uh, as soon as I graduate. Or I'm going to be all about Jesus as soon as I get some things in order. As soon as I get here, then, Jesus, I'm all yours. It's like we're this archer who just pulls back and says, ready, aim, 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 and never fire. You see, Jesus dealt with this issue of, of non-commitment. As well, And what I want to do this morning is just look at a, a time in Scripture where Jesus uh, was dealing with, with that issue and three people who, who weren't ready to commit to him in hopes that we'll, we'll find some reasons why we hesitate. So we can ask of ourselves, what, you know, what does this say for my life? Why we have a hard time committing to the change that we desire for our life? So I'm going to be in the book of Luke. It's a New Testament book. If you don't have a Bible or just forgot to bring yours, uh, our ushers have some on the sides. Uh, you just let them know. Feel free to just borrow that and use it for the service. Or if you don't own one, it's our gift to you. Please feel free to take it home. We believe that the words in there are true, going to have a real everlasting impact in your life. So please feel free to take one of those. Uh, it'll also be on the screen. But I'm going to be in the book of Luke, starting in chapter 9, verse 57. And it goes like this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, him being Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Uh, see, what we have here are three people who are on the brink of commitment, right? Three people who are on the edge of committing to a life of fully following Christ, but there's something that's holding them back, something that they're seeing as more important or more valuable or more worthy of their time. And so what I want to do is look at each one of these guys and their responses and their interaction with Jesus. And as we're looking at them, let's ask of ourselves, what are the things that are keeping me from committing? What are the, what are the, the people or the relationships or the habits or, or whatever that are keeping me from committing to the kind of life that I desire? So let's, let's jump right in. Uh, guy number one, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replies to him, 
Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So this guy comes up to Jesus, right? And he says, Jesus, wherever you go, I am there. I'm your number one man. If you're here, I'm here. Wherever you're going, I'm going to be there. And Jesus says, are you sure about that? Just, just want to be clear, make sure we, you understand what it means to follow me, to sign up, to follow me. Just, it's not going to be easy. I'm a broke homeless guy who's going to be crucified, okay? You want to follow me? Are you sure you're ready to sign up for that? You know, we don't, we don't have this guy's response. We don't, you know, we don't know what he says. But I think because of Jesus' response, it seems to me that he, his issue when he's struggling with is that he's putting comfort before Jesus. And this is still the case for some of us today, right? And let me just be completely upfront and honest with you. Following Jesus is the best life. Amen. The best life there is. But it's certainly not the easiest. I mean, what he's essentially telling this guy is you want to follow me? That's great. I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. You want to follow me? That's great. I don't know what I'm eating tonight. You want to follow me? That's great. But this could be a really rough road for us. You see, some of us live under this myth that if we love Jesus enough and if we follow him, that everything's going to be great, right? That if, if we have enough faith that we're going to win the lottery, and it's just not my experience, okay? Just in case you weren't sure, following a broke homeless guy who got betrayed by his friend and murdered, I'll put that out there. I know it's exciting, okay? That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen to us, okay? But, but it doesn't guarantee, you know, an easy life for us. But it's the best life, the best life. And, and I'll just honestly just tell you up front, I want everyone to follow Christ. I want everyone to be in relationship with him and to be able to live that life. And I know this isn't the greatest sales pitch, right? Like, follow Jesus and make it happen to you, um, but, but I'm okay with that because we're not selling God, right? We're not selling what he can do for you, but we're, we're offering God as the gift. Not what he does, but who he is. He is the joy. He's the treasure. He is the gift. I don't want to sell you Jesus in the way some marketer, or advertiser, or salesman would. I want you to know the truth going into it, that following God could, be, could mean a rough life, could mean a hard life for you. But it's a life filled with more passion, it's a life filled with more joy, more purpose, more fulfillment than you will find anywhere else. Anywhere else. I was, uh, I was leading one of the men's small groups during the men's event a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about our stories, you know, where we were and how we got to where we are today and everything in between. And one of the guys was sharing about how he came to the realization that he was very comfortable in his relationship with God, right? Like they had an agreement, they didn't really bother each other, they just got along. And he, can't, he realized that that probably wasn't a good thing. See, if you've been following God for a little while, you, you realize that God seems to be in the business of placing us in uncomfortable situations, right? Putting us in places that just are kind of foreign or awkward to us. So we can't place comfort before Jesus because it's not about comfort. It's about following Christ with everything that we are and going wherever he leads us to go, no matter what. So we can't place comfort before God, before Jesus. So guy number two. He said to another man, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's not very nice, right? Now, these next two guys, they're going to have the same kind of language. They're both going to say, Lord, I want to follow you, but first, right? Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I need to do this first. And what they're basically saying is, Jesus, I want you to be second priority, right? I've got my first priority 
And as long as we can negotiate a deal where I can still pursue that, then you can be second, then we're going to get along just fine. And we still do that today. Some of us are still doing that today, right? School is, is our first priority, or some relationship is your first priority, or, or your marriage is your first priority, your kids are your first priority, or your career is your first priority, or some kind of comfort is your first priority. Whatever it is, is your first priority, and Jesus is second. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. Please don't get me wrong, because some of those things are good things to pursue and to focus on, but if they come before Jesus, you got the order wrong. He has to be first priority. Now, I admit, this is probably one of the most difficult sayings of Jesus, right? Really hard, hard things, because he's just being straight mean, it seems like. We were having dinner with some new friends of ours the other, other night, and this verse just happened to come up, and I was like, hey, that's great. And, and I was, you know, I was looking, kind of fishing for honest opinions. And using words that I can't repeat here on stage, was, he was, this guy was describing Jesus' reaction, saying he's not being very nice. Like, it just doesn't come off as the thing that, you know, Jesus petting the lamb, you know, that kind of Jesus, right? It just doesn't come off as that kind of Jesus. But I think if we were to look at this verse uh, in context and maybe look at it the way Jesus' hearers may have heard it, that it might have a better meaning for us. You see, I actually, I don't think this guy's dad is dead at all. I think, I mean, think about it. If his dad is dead, where is he going to be? Funeral, right? Or at least making funeral plans. Because in Jewish tradition, a funeral was a big, like a huge thing. And I'm not saying funerals aren't a big deal now, but like, it was like a multi-day event, like whole community, families from everywhere, like the whole burial process was a big deal. You got to have the right music and you got to get wailers to make all kinds of noise and feasts for everybody and families coming in. You got to wear the right clothes and parades and or I guess it's a procession. I don't know. But it was a big deal and it would last for a long time. And it was tradition that when parents got old, their kids would take care of them, right? Like as they got older and that was, you know, a good thing to do. And so what I think is happening here, I think this guy's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you, but my parents are kind of old, and they're kind of devout Jews and pretty set in their ways, and I don't think they'd be down with that. And so I'm going to take care of them since they're old, because, you know, they'll honor your parents' things, a good thing to do, and I'll be back in a little while. And, and being the good child and taking care of his parents and making sure they were, you know, taken care of, he would also ensure that he got his inheritance, as we see that over and over, which he wouldn't want to miss out on. And, and for me, this is what I see. I see the issue here is that this guy's putting security before Jesus. He wants approval from the right people. He wants to be in a better place where he feels he's ready, right, or more financially secure. And what I don't think is happening here, I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, you need to hate your parents. I don't think he's saying that. What I think he's saying is that you need to put God first and foremost in your life. He can't be second. He's got to be first but we continually put things over and over in front of him. You see, most of us are happy to have Jesus in our lives, provided he's not first priority, right? Provided he's not our first treasure or our first joy or our first commitment. We'd love to have him in the lineup, right? Just not number one. That's, that's not how it works. See, he deserves to be first. He's God. So we can't put comfort before Jesus and we can't put security before Jesus. And looking at guy number three, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus, you're ruining the image here, okay? 
But we, we hear the same thing again, right? Lord, I want to follow you, but first. Or Lord, I'm all yours, but first, I got to do this. And what this guy's saying is, Jesus, I, wanna, I wanna, totally want to follow you, but there's something more important I need to do first. I, I got to go home and go back to my family and my friends and tell them that I'm going to follow you. Right? I got to go back and say, hey, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to be a Christian, and I'm going to be all yours. But first, I got to go back. Okay? And it doesn't really sound like a bad thing to do, right? I, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a sin this guy's wanting to commit, but Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows that if this guy goes back, he's never going to go forward. J.C. Ryle, who was an Anglican bishop in the 19th century, said, those who look back want to go back. See, we're like this all the time, right? We say, you know, before I commit to Jesus, I, I want to go back with my friends and party some more. Or before I commit to Jesus, I want to I go back to this habit just one more time. Or before I commit to Jesus, I want to go back to, to this person just one more time. Or before I commit to Jesus, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And we keep putting things before and if we go back, we're never going to go forward. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with looking back in your life and saying, man, I was a wreck, or man, I wish I didn't do that, or man, I better learn from that. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a self-evaluation, right? You learn from that, and you move forward. But this is, this is a looking back with, with a longing to return. Right? And, and then here's the issue. It's when we put our past before Jesus. And they did this in the Old Testament. If you ever read the Old Testament where... The Israelite nation, they were in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh, who thought he was God for like 440 years, and he was really brutal and bad to them, and God sends Moses to free the people, and so he frees them, and they're walking through the desert on their way to the promised land, which is a big deal, you know, and what do they do? They complain, right? They're like, man, remember the good old days in Egypt? Yeah. I miss Egypt. Yeah. Egypt rocked. I mean, really? You were slaves. It didn't rock. See, but it, if we keep looking back, we're going we're to miss out on the opportunity to not only have an impact on our own lives, but opportunity to have impact on the lives of those around us. See, and Jesus uses this analogy of a plow. And most of us don't really use plows anymore. You know, our farming equipment is very different from what they had then. We have our big air-conditioned, enclosed John Deere tractors, right? And we put in our iPods, and we're just like, yep, okay. Right? And most of us think that vegetables actually come from the store, but they don't come from too much. Sorry, okay. But the idea, the idea was you want to eat, you push your plow, right? That's just the way it works. And Jesus is saying that our life is like a field that is in need of plow, right? We've each been given a row to push. And to push that row well, we have to put our hands to the plow, push straight, keep our eyes forward and our feet moving. It's a great analogy because here's what he's saying. You can't push a straight line while looking backwards. You just can't do it. And we, we do this all the time, right? We put our hands to the plow and we're like, man, what if I married that person? Or we put our hands to the plow and we're like, wait, I can't do that anymore. Or we, you know, looking forward and like, hey, they're attractive. Or, you know, like, and we keep looking back and we don't have our eyes forward and our feet moving. And then we look back and realize that our rows are crooked. Now, don't do this, but it, it would be, don't do this, please. But it would be like this. It'd be like when you went home today, right, and you got in the car, and you wanted to see if this principle was timeless, right, to see if it worked out. So you got in the car, you put your hand on the wheel, and you said, I'm going to drive home looking over my shoulder just to see if this principle is timeless, right? Just looking back, just drive home. And then as the airbag deploys, you will say, yes, this is a timeless principle. I can't go straight forward while looking back. You see, if you want your life to matter, if you want your life 
to have purpose and to have fulfillment. If you want to live a life with no regrets, then we have to commit to pushing the straight row, to, to putting our hands to the plow and keeping our eyes forward and not looking back and feet moving. You know, for, and for some of you, some of us, committing is not the problem, right? It's not the problem at all. You're like, yes, I get that. I can commit to things. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite, right? It's overcommitment. And this is the part of the message where I, I bring a mirror here and I just talk to myself and you guys listen in because I don't even know what the word or means, right? People are like, oh, you could do this or you could do this. I'm like, no, it's and, right? I can do this and that. And that's, that's, that's the definition of my life. Like, yes, I would love to do this. And yes, please sign me up for that as well. Oh, that's the same time? Yeah, I can do that too. And I do that all the time. And, and, then, and we do this and, and we run out of time for the things, we neglect the things that really matter, I scheduled lunch with somebody last week, and the earliest they could pencil me in was two months away. Two months. I was like, you can't find an hour for two months? I was like, but I mean, I couldn't either, but so it worked out, but I didn't say that. So I was like, man, you should, you should work on your schedule, trying to clear some things up. So, um, you see, see, God has, has great, great plans for your life. Great plans. He has great plans for my life, and he has incredible things for us to do. But if we always just say yes the things that are convenient, always commit to the things that, that what seems important, then we're going to miss out on the awesome things he has for us to do. So when I talk about these opportunities that we have for, for you to commit to the change you desire for your life, and your first reaction is, man, I just don't have any time. I don't have enough time for any of that. We, we need to ask ourselves the question, what, what is taking up my time? What are the things that are taking up my time? And are those things helping me commit to the change that I desire for my life? What are those things? Or are those things helping me fulfill the plan God has for my life? Not my plan for my life, but God's plan for my life. Or are those things helping me connect to God in the first place? You know, maybe, maybe you look back in your life and, and you see a crooked row, right? You follow Jesus for a little while and you look back. You follow Jesus for a while and you look back. Maybe, maybe now, maybe today is the day for you to say this, this is it. This is, this is the day that I really commit to wholeheartedly following Jesus. Whatever that means, wherever he takes me, to really commit to that. And here's, here's what I can't stress enough and what I, I want you to go away with. Is that life with Jesus is not, it's not the easiest life. But it is the best life. It's the best life. And if you're willing, willing to receive that, willing to receive Jesus and, and to put him in first position in your life, before comfort and before security and before your past, and to really commit to pushing a straight row, right, but looking forward and keeping your feet moving, living a life of love and humility and obedience, then there's, there's a harvest of fruitfulness to be had in your life, right, an amazing harvest. And I hope that today you can commit to that change. Whatever it is in your life, I hope that today you can commit to it. Whether it be physical or relational or spiritual, whatever it is, financial, I hope that today you can be. You can make that. I think uh, C.S. Lewis says it best in his, his book, Mere Christianity. If you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, he's one of, the most, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of his time, if not of all time. I'm a big fan. But this is his book, Mere Christianity, and uh, he says it great like this. He says, The Christian way is different, harder, and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. 
No half measures are any good. I don't, want to cut off, I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. You see, there's no regrets in this life. No regrets. Because it's the best life there is. And, and it's the life that I so desperately desire for all of you. I mean, that's why we do what we do, to help people connect to God. So, so I hope today is that day for you. I hope that today you can make that commitment. And if today is, if today is that day where you say, hey, you know what? I do want to commit. I want to say, this is it. I want to commit to something real. Whatever it is, don't wait. Please come talk to one of us. Come talk to me or to Mark or somebody. We'd love to talk to you about what next steps you can take to make that commitment stick. So will you pray with me? God, we are just so humbled by what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that anything that was said here that is not of you, that it just fell on deaf ears. That you just completely take over. God, I pray you help us remember to put you first. Give us the strength and the, and the determination to do that always. God, help us remember that even when we do look back, that you're always there waiting for us. You are committed to us. So help us be committed to you. God, we thank you for your love, for what you're doing in this world and in this city, and we're just so humbled and honored to be a part of it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.